joy and the love and the excitement and the kids. I mean, they were still going strong at 830. They were still <laughs> shouting for the Lord as they were leaving the sanctuary. So thank you to everyone for that. Um, a big announcement. You've been seeing this every week, but next week is our fellowship and fun day at the Simpson Farm. So we will not be in the sanctuary next Sunday morning. Please, if, if someone's beside you and they're normally here, make sure they remember we will be worshiping at the Simpson Farm at 1030. That's when our service will begin. We'll have lunch afterwards. In your bulletin, it's got all the things that we're doing there. And there are directions right out front um, to, if you need directions to their house. Grab that before you leave. And the address is right here. Um, I think there was also announcement. Oh, if you didn't, if you are a member of New Hope and you did not get a ballot, would you please raise your hand? We have a few votes today. Any members that did not get a ballot? And they will take these up at the end. So right, let's go to our Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we are filled with joy to be in your house. We are so thankful to not only to get to have you, your presence, your spirit in us throughout every part of our lives, but we get to come into this house of worship and sing praises to you and study scripture with other believers and to discuss your word and to just be in fellowship together. What a blessing it is, Lord. We are so thankful that we are allowed weekly to do that, that we have a place right by our homes to do that, and so many opportunities around us to serve and worship. So we thank you, Lord, for this gift that you've given us, and, and we don't take it lightly, and we don't, we, we hope that we don't take lightly, that we have your word in our hand, and our phone, and everywhere we go, Lord. So we thank you, and we ask that you prepare us right now in our hearts and our minds, that you prepare us for the songs that we're going to sing, that we sing those in praise that we mean each word that we choose to say, Lord, that we do that in worship and in love because you are our God, our creator. There is nothing like you. You, all things from you are good. We love you and we praise your name, your holy name, Lord, and it's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship together.
Well, last week, I opened up with saying, look at the sanctuary, how much different it looked. Well, we'll do the same today. Look at the sanctuary and how much different it looks from last week. My goodness, but folks, we had a great and a grand time last week uh, with Vacation Bible School. If you were here any part of that time, you know there was a lot of excitement in the air, a lot of activity going on, and uh, we were just sharing God's Word, and, and man, the kids were having a blast, the adults were having fun, and, and so it was just a, a great week of blessing all the way around. And again, I want to say thank you for your input, for your help, for your prayer support. Uh, any way that you participated in reaching the kingdom of God uh, last week, we do thank you. We were talking about uh, all last week in the sermon last week, it was talking about putting on the whole armor of God <coughs> and, and how it protects us from the and, and, and prepares us for the fight against the enemy because that fight is real. It is going about going on every day and we have to be prepared for that. And we talked about how much of God's uh, armor that we put on is used for defensive purposes, but also, you know, the, the, the sword of the Spirit of the Word of God, you know, it's for offensive pur purposes. The shield of faith is for offensive purposes. Maybe pushing the enemy back, um, defending our faith in, in sight of God's, uh, or, or in face of the enemy's attack. But there's also other aspects of our life that, that we need to be guarding as well. We need to be careful how we live and how we act. And the things that we do, the things that we think, and the, the, the things that we, we carry out in our life, uh, we, we know the Trinity, the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're all one. And, and Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And He goes on in John chapter 8, and He says, for I always do what pleases Him. I always do what pleases God. And so we ask ourselves this morning, do we strive to do everything that pleases God? Or do we run off sometimes on a tangent and do our own things and, and want to do our own things sometimes and, and that in turn goes against God's will. We wind up doing something that God doesn't like or in fact something that, that God hates. What do you mean God hates? I thought you said God was love. Well, He is love, but He also hates he hates evil and wickedness and sin. It's kind of like you might, you might think, well, I love my child, but I hate the disease that's attacking them, or I, or I hate the illness that, that's come upon them. We're to love the good and to, and to hate the evil. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says there's a time to love, and there's a time to hate. What does God hate? What does God hate? A couple of examples. God hates idols. Uh, when we make idols and worship them instead of, instead of God Almighty, He hates the wickedness and sin and, and evil that, that we mention. In the book of Proverbs, we find uh, He points out that there are seven things in particular that are listed that God, that God dislikes that in fact He hates. And so if you will... Turn with us to Proverbs chapter 6, and we're going to look at that passage this morning. Some things that, that God hates. And, and you know, we, we find in this passage in, in Proverbs chapter 6, beginning in verse 16, we find a list of things that a lot of people do regularly. 
And God hates it. And so as we work through this, think about where we might stand or where we are, where these items are in, in our life and how we might go about addressing them in the end. In the Bible, the number seven represents a completeness. And so God has complete hatred for these things that, that we're going to talk about. They're things from the, they're, they're works of the flesh, not works of the Spirit. It's all a worldly thing. And so if you will, again, turn to, to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 and following. It says, there are six things the, Lord's hate, the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him. Haughty eyes. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. A false witness who pours out lies. And a person who stirs up conflict within the community. By avoiding those seven things God, that God hates, it, it helps us become more Christ-like. It helps us uh, in our community, in our association with other people. It just makes life better. And he starts off here in those list of seven things. He hates haughty eyes. He hates uh, uh, arrogant eyes. He hates a prideful look. He hates a, a heart of pride. And this is when we go about looking down at other people, thinking that 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 that. that thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought, as Paul puts it. It's a, it's a righteous attitude, thinking that, that you should be serving me. Pride is putting ourself on the pedestal. It's taking God off and putting ourself on the throne of our life instead of God. It's, and remember that it's pride that consumed Lucifer. It was pride that consumed his heart that ultimately led to him and a third of the angels being kicked out of heaven. Pride makes it all about us and not about God. I showed a, a video on Wednesday night several weeks ago about the me church. It's all about me. When I come to church, I want this seat. When I come to church, I want this temperature. When I come to church, I want my oil changed. When I come to church, I want my tires checked. When I come to church, I want this and I want that. But when we come to church, it's not about us. It's about God. It's about worshiping God. Making Him number one. And not just at worship time, but in all times of our life. You see, once we've conceived that sin in our life, that sin has been has been committed, and, and, and again, that's when it becomes about us. It becomes about what we want in life. The pride, and pride is the beginning of, of all the other sin because it's about us. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says, for everything in the world, listen to this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from where? From the world. 
that comes from the world. Folks, you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and be filled with yourself at the same time. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and be filled with pride. God just doesn't accept the proud. He doesn't accept the prideful person. And so, and so we're to humble ourselves, acknowledging once again that God is God and we're not. That He is creator of all things. He is the Savior and we are the saved. We are the created ones. We must never forget that. And so God hates the prideful, arrogant look upon people. He hates the prideful, arrogant attitude in our, in our hearts. And God hates a lying tongue. We all know what this is. It's, it's knowing and, and willingly and intentionally sharing false information intended to deceive other people. When we knowingly tell something wrong in order to deceive somebody. And folks, every person, every race, and every nation abuses the tongue. We do. It, it's who we are. But still, God hates it. It's detestable. To him, And think about it, the nature of man hasn't changed since the beginning of time. People have always lied. You see that in the beginning of, of, of Genesis all the way through. People have lied. The psalmist wrote, wrote, all men are liars. Let me ask you a question. Have, have you ever told a lie? Raise your hand if you've ever told a lie. Somebody's telling a lie now. <laughs> We've all done it, haven't we? Y'all don't talk to my mama about that. Don't talk to your mamas about it either, right? Hmm. The psalmist wrote again that all men are liars. How does, that, how does that make us feel this morning to know that we're all liars? <laughs> and we lie for so many different reasons, don't we? We, we lie to, to promote ourselves, to, to promote our agenda. We lie to make other people look good or make other people look bad. We lie to hide our faults. We lie to, 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 to get out of trouble. We lie to get what we want. We lie to hurt other people, to hurt other people's feelings. On the flip side, we lie to make people feel good. It's crazy, isn't it? The things that we, that we lie about. But it's one of the most detestable sins and evils in the eyes of God. And I say that because God is truth. God is absolute truth. And so think about this. When we lie, we are most like and most resemble the devil because he is the father of lies. In Acts chapter 5, the first several verses there, God struck down Ananias and Sapphira for lying. Killed them dead for telling a lie. Let's be honest, we all, we all do it. Whether it's a, a big lie or a little lie or a little white lie, it's still a sin that separates us from God. And it's that sin that God hates. And the psalmist wrote, Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. 
God hates a prideful heart. God hates a lying tongue. And God hates the shedding of innocent blood. Or God hates murder. God actually authorized capital punishment for murder and nothing else. God said it's precisely because He made God in His own image. And because of that, He requires that punishment. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, it says, Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. Granted, probably none of us have, have actually killed somebody, killed another person, but the Bible also says, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, that, that if we hate someone, then in essence we have murdered them. If we have hatred in our heart, eternal life isn't there. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 15, 1 John chapter 3, verse 15 says, Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. God hates the hatred in our hearts. God hates wicked thoughts and schemes. You know, I used to be... <laughs> I used to be amazed at the depth of depravity in our world and, and, and all the things that are uh, just the evil in our world, but maybe I've just become jaded to it because there's so much evil in our world. It's, it's like our world is becoming Sodom and Gomorrah, more, more like that every day. And, and, and it seems like just when you think you've heard it all or seen it all, it happens again. Something worse happens. The thoughts and minds of, of people are as deep and devious as hell itself. The minds of people are working every day to scheme up the most horrid of acts. I mean, just in the, in the recent months, you've got the the Murdoch trials just a week or so ago, the, the Long Island serial killer, the Sparkle Creed, uh, the satanic rituals that are going on, the latest movie, The Sound of Freedom and Pedophilia and, and Trafficking. It just seems not to ever stop. God hates that wicked scheming that's going on in people's minds. The mischief and evil ways he hates. What the heart and mind can conceive, the feet will follow. If you can think it up in your heart and mind, you can carry it out. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 7 says, The feet will run to do evil. The feet will run to do evil and they rush to commit murder. They think only about sinning. Misery and destruction always follow them. Because you see, you, once you think it in your, in your heart and in your mind, and you put it into action, there's, a lot of times there's just no turning back. 
Because at that point, when you said it's go time, it's go time. And you've rationalized your next action. And you're going to do whatever you've conceived in your mind. And that leads us to number six, the false witness. This one also made the God's top ten list. We find it coming in at number nine on the Ten Commandments. Similar to lying, but it brings punishment on somebody. I'm sure you've seen TV shows, you have maybe have been a part of this in real life, but you've come to a court appearance and somebody asks you, just don't tell them quite everything. <laughs> just don't tell them quite all the truth. Leave some of this out or, or, you know, maybe it really happened like this. Why don't you tell it this way? And as a result, it's causing harm for somebody else. Exodus 23 verse 1 says, Do not spread false reports. Do not help a guilty person by being a malicious witness. If you know somebody's guilty, don't help them get off. Because they must be held accountable for their actions. Matthew 15, 19. For out of the heart comes every evil thought. Listen to this. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. You see, the liar and the one who bears false testimony is being controlled by the flesh. By, by being controlled by the desires of the world and not of the Holy Spirit. God hates a false witness. God hates it when people bring about discord among believers. Number seven. God hates it when, when, when people are causing disruption amongst His believers, amongst His children. King David wrote in the Psalms, How good and pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity. How good and pleasant is it when, when God's people live in unity. And so be aware that when, when you sow discord and, and disruption among God's people, God hates it. The gossip, the discouragement, the bad-mouthing, the dissension, the division, and the, the things that you're stirring up. Just be prepared to receive God's reaction into your life. Because God hates it. He hates it. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 9-11, through 11, it says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in the darkness. But anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because, they're, because the darkness has blinded them. 
God hates division in the church. The sad truth is about the human nature is though that we all sin. We, we all sin and, and we look at these things and, and, and we've already admitted we all are guilty of at least one of them, right? There's probably others that we're guilty of too. And the more we sin, the further away from God we get. And, and the further away from God we get, the less we realize or the more we realize that we're not living with God. Sin has a lot of glitz and glamour. It comes at us in a lot of different ways through a lot of different temptations. And, and oftentimes the dangers can, can, can be blinded. We, we can't see the dangers sometimes. And people are entrapped in sin or are often oblivious to their own moral stench to those around them. It's kind of like when you go deep sea fishing and you're, you're close to the shore at the beginning and the, the further away you get, the smaller the, the land looks, doesn't it? until ultimately you can't see it anymore. Now think about that as you, as a person living their life, moving away from, from God. You know, when we're standing next, next to God and, and being convicted of our sinfulness and, and looking at the reality of who we are in, in light of God, we see a huge, big God Almighty, don't we? But the more we sin, the further away from Him we get, the smaller He looks. He's as big as He ever was. But as we move away from Him, the easier it is to keep on sinning, to keep on going in that direction. We find in Isaiah chapter 59 where God brings deliverance onto captive Israel and he hears the his ears are attuned to the repentant heart he hears those who who turn from their ways who are coming back to the shore who are coming back to him who who, who confess their their sinfulness and want to turn their life around and come back to him he says in Isaiah 59 he was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm and his justice sustained him. He put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. He will repay his enemies for their evil deeds his fury will fall on, on his foes. He will pay them back even to the ends of the earth. In the west, people will respect the name of the Lord. In the east, they will glorify Him. For He will come like a raging flood, flood title, driven by the breath of the Lord. The Redeemer will come to Jerusalem to buy back those in Israel 
who have turned from their sins, says the Lord. And this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit will not leave them, and neither will these words I have given you. For they will be on your lips and on the lips of your children and your children's children forever. For I, the Lord, have spoken. Let me ask you this morning, is there something in your life that you're dealing with? Is there something in your life that that God has pointed out to you that's made heavy on your heart? Is there something in your life that you're living out of God's will? Is there something in your life, a sin in your life that, that you just can't get a grasp on? And you know it's not right? Is there something in your life that's that's an obstacle between you and God? Is there something in your life that's keeping you from that intimate relationship that, that He wants with you? Is there something in your life that you know that God hates and that needs to be removed? Folks, I'll tell you, if you'll turn and fix your eyes upon Jesus and move back to Him, He'll give you help in overcoming whatever it is in your life. He will walk with you. Maybe there's somebody in here that's been down the same road you're going through. A friend of mine is a... Actually, if you, two friends of mine, one is a drug, drug addict, the other, the other is a recovering drug addict. And one of the most powerful things we can do for a drug addict is partner them up with somebody that's been down the same road to give them hope that they can do it. Maybe there's somebody in this place today that that you need to partner with to help you in whatever you're dealing with. To overcome the obstacle in your life. See, Jesus died on the cross. There's nobody beyond God's reach. There's no murder. There's no... No one has told a lie. Nobody has given false testimony. That's beyond the reach of God. He loved us so much. And we're going to talk about this next week, but He loved us so much that He sent His Son to die on the cross so that all of that sin in our life could be wiped away. God raised him to life on the third day so that he could prove that he was God's son, that he could forgive sin, so that we could have the hope of eternal life. My friend, that hope is for you, it's for me, it's for everyone if they'll simply choose the Lord Almighty. If they'll choose His Son, Jesus Christ, as their Savior. Yes, God hates all these things and He hates it in us but He loves us. He hates the sin within us, but He loves us 
as His children. And He wants to spend eternity with you forever and ever. Again, I ask you this morning, is there something in your life that needs to be taken away so that you can become more at one with Christ? During our, our hymn of invitation, Worthy is the Lamb, you come to the altar, you lay it at the altar of the feet of Jesus, you pray in your seat, whatever it is you want to do, you come and make it right with God. Father in heaven, God, we do thank you for your word, for making it clear to us the things that you, that you like, the things that you don't like, the things that you love, and the things that you hate. And God, we've just looked at a few of the things that you hate, but God, more than that, we know that you love us. You love us to the point that you gave your son to give his life so that we could live. You gave your son so that that sin could be taken away. You gave your son so that we could come to you and, and confess to you that waywardness in our life. You gave your son so we could have the hope of eternity. You gave your son so that we could know you personally. You gave your son to live with us day in and day out in order to help us be the people you created us to be. And so, Father, whatever it is in our heart, in our life, I dare say we all have something. God, it will bring it to you this morning. That you would bring healing to our heart. Lord, hear our prayer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for the